This is a podcast of Forest Lake Baptist Church Sermons. If you'd like to know more about our church, visit our Facebook page or our website at flbc.org.au. We hope you're blessed by this message. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are our Father, that we can call you that. Thank you that you are Waymaker. Thank you that you conquer our fears. Thank you for scripture that tells us perfect love drives out all fear and it's your love that does that. Thank you for the testimony of these children this morning reminding us you are the king of the universe. The jungle, the sea, everything. Jesus is Lord. And Father, there are people here today who are finding life a bit of a whirlwind at the moment. It feels like they are on a sea tossed around. Lord, help us to remember that our Lord Jesus is the one who calms the sea and we need not fear. Rescue us from slavery to fear, we pray, and give us confidence in a God who is the Lord of the universe. Father, I pray for those who are struggling today with loss, with grief, with illness. Be all their strength. Do the, be the way maker. Be the miracle worker in their lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Father, today we want to particularly thank you for foster carers. We want to thank you for kids' ministry leaders. We want to thank you for the children of this church and this community. We praise you as the God that though you are Lord of the universe, you are also the one who is father to the fatherless and you care. We praise you, Heavenly Father. We are astounded at you. Our minds are, cannot, cannot take in your glory, your power, your majesty, and that you also care. So, Lord, I pray for us all today that having heard Sally's presentation, uh, having sung these songs as we get into the word today, that we would see opportunity where we can make a difference in other people's lives. But today we especially want to thank you for foster carers who open their homes to children as you have opened heaven to us. May we reflect your glory to this world, your love, your compassion. Thank you, Jesus. We are astounded today. Thank you, Jesus, that you made this all possible by your death and resurrection on the cross for us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. A few announcements before we get into the word today. Uh, you will have seen a, a stall out the front there for the Baptist World Aid Christmas gift appeal. This is where you buy a card and you give a card to a, someone as a Christmas present. Instead of buying them a present, the money you would have spent, so this one is a $20 chicken. The $20 chicken goes to a village in... Uh, third world country uh, to help them out. Now what's really cool is that I was talking to Elizabeth Martin this week who's been uh, leading that stall. In the first three weeks of having this stall this year, $1,000 has been given to Baptist World Aid in three weeks through this church. Praise God for that. Yeah, yeah, put your hands together. Praise God. It's a great way to give a gift to someone and to see, uh, yeah, your better world gifts that help someone else who needs help. Next Saturday, we've got our ladies' brunch. Uh, ladies, we need you to register online so we can cater. Catherine's going to have a 
clipboard out the front here. If you find registering online just a bit hard, see Catherine after the service. She'll be out the front there. And uh, you can uh, sign on for the ladies' lunch. On the 10th of December, we've got the Christmas party. Uh, registration's closed Monday week, so we really need you to register for that so we can order the right amount of paella. Yum. Uh, begin to that, we'll have jumping castles for the kids. It's just an opportunity for us to come together as a church and celebrate God's goodness this year. The day after that, the 11th of December, is the first Sunday when we will move to one morning service over the summer break. So we do that to give our team a break. Um, we are blessed by a, just an army of people who turn up every Sunday and serve so faithfully. We want to give them a break where we can. So the 11th of December, we'll move to one morning service at 9am. And just a reminder, we've started having Tuesday morning prayer walks around the lake, praying for our community, listening to what Jesus is saying to us. We meet at Lakeside Park at 6am if you're available, if you're free to come along, come and meet there. We walk around the lake together and we actually pray in silence. Uh, I have found this to be already, just in the first three or four weeks we've done it, just an incredible experience on a Tuesday morning to just listen to what Jesus is saying. Uh, so if you're interested, if you just want to find out what does that look like, come on along and uh, be a part of that at Lakeside Park. Details are in the weekly email. If you're not getting the weekly email, that's where all the news of the church is. There is so much going on. Uh, but please uh, sign on, use the response card, flbc.org.au slash respond, and you can get the weekly email. Before we get into the word today, as uh, Sally reminded us earlier, it is Foster Care Sunday. And before we get into the word, I want to pray for foster carers. So if you are currently a foster carer or there, have been, there are people in our church who have been foster carers, I know there are some online today, can you please stand so we can pray for you and thank God for you? Awesome. Let's put our hands together and acknowledge these people. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for these people. Thank you for the reminder from Sally this morning about the need of foster care. Thank you for those who have put their hands up and said, yes, I will. Lord, give them strength. Give them boldness. Give them joy. Give them grace. And Lord, as Sal's reminded us again, raise up more, we pray. Raise up more. The need is there, and we know that you love these children. Help us to express your love to them through opening our own homes and lives. But for those who are standing now, Lord, we pray a mighty blessing on them. Thank you for them in Jesus' name. Amen. So that means if you've seen someone stand and you're interested in knowing more about foster care, go and see one of those people and they can tell you all about it. One of the things that I often reflect on when we come to Foster Care Sunday is something that has become a bit of a divide in the modern church. And the divide looks something like this. Some churches say we need to show the gospel by just preaching the word of God to people and telling them to repent and be saved. God cares about the soul. Then there's this sort of other branch of the church that says God cares about the physical needs of a person, the, the social needs of a person. And one side says, ah, oh, you've, you've got too much social gospel. And this side says, ah, oh, you only care about the souls. And both sides go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth without realising that, in fact, God cares for all of it. God cares for the whole person. One of the sort of things we say a lot as a church is God cares for the whole person. And one of the passages where this absolutely stands out to me, 
comes in Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 17. Just to give a little context before we read it, Isaiah was a prophet to the Old Testament children of Israel and they had gone bad. They had turned their backs on God and Isaiah came as a prophet to say to them, you have forsaken your God. You have, and you have forsaken what is right. You have turned your back on him. They were still doing religious stuff. The temple was still open for business. They were still doing their religious duties. But God says, what it looks like to have turned your back on me is that you don't care about justice anymore. God cares about justice because our God is a just God. Amen? And there's this wonderful verse in verse 17 that comes in the midst of God outlining all the ways that they've gotten it wrong, the children of Israel. And then we get this wonderful verse where God basically tells them to do good in four ways. He says, learn to do what is good, pursue justice, correct the oppressor, defend the rights of the fatherless, plead the widow's case. What does doing good look like? What does it look like to do the work of the Lord? It is to pursue justice, correct the oppressor, defend the rights of the fatherless and plead the widow's case. The problem with this verse for most of us is this. We will read that verse and go, well, I'm not being unjust. I'm not oppressing anyone. I haven't personally caused someone to be fatherless. I haven't made someone a widow, therefore I'm fine. But it's not that God is saying to the children of Israel, don't just not do bad. He's saying you do good. You step in and do something that goes beyond just not doing the wrong stuff. You do something for someone else. And this goes to the very heart of God. And all through scripture, we have these moments when God reminds his people, no, no, I actually expect you to be a difference in this world, to be my light, to be my love, to be my hands and feet. And here's just a few examples from scripture. Back in Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 19, God says to the the children of Israel, when you are harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheaf, In other words, when you're harvesting the grain and you realise you have missed one, I'm not sure how many grain harvesters we have in the church, I thought that might need explaining, do not go back to get it. Leave it for the foreigner, the fatherless and the widow, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. Be generous, he says. That sheaf might cost you money if you don't pick it up and sell it to someone else, but you leave it for someone else. And trust me, God is saying, Psalm 146 verse 9, one of my favourite verses in the Psalms. The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. We live in a society and I think in a growing way, a nation, that we are becoming, I think, a less and less generous nation in many ways where we are so concerned about what happens inside our borders, we're losing sight of what happens outside our borders. What an image we have of God in this psalm. But the Lord watches. The Lord sustains. In Matthew chapter 23, Jesus talking to the religious elite of the day, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, faithfulness. 
You can do all your religious stuff, Jesus is saying. You can go and you can do all the, the, the ceremonial stuff, but if you have missed justice, mercy and faithfulness, you have missed the most important things. And James chapter 1, verse 27, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world, to look after orphans and widows. Friends, that's what foster carers do. It's what they do. They look for the orphan. They look for the child who is without a home. And they say, we will give you a home. Is that not exactly what God the Father has done for us through Jesus? Is that not exactly where we were in our sin, completely cut off, enemies of God, the Bible tells us. And God, by his grace, paid the price of his own son, his own son, to make us his children. He doesn't say, oh, you were enemies, I'll just make you now not enemies. He says, you're not just not enemies anymore, now I am going to call you my kids. You are mine. When Jesus is, uh, the night before Jesus goes to the cross, he says to these disciples, I go to prepare what? A place for you in my father's household. If you are a Christian, what God has called you into is a child relationship with the author of life, the God of the universe. And this idea of being adopted in as God's family when I was about 20, blew me away. I was, honestly, I was treating Christianity like an optional extra. And I went on a, a camp, I was probably 19 actually, and I went on a camp. And the only reason I went on the camp was because there was a girl going on the camp that I was interested in, pre-Catherine. And on this camp, one of the guys said, I've got a free book here for anyone who wants it. I didn't even care what the book was about. All I heard was free. And I said, well, I'll have it. And it was a book by a guy named J.I. Packer called Knowing God. This book was written about 60 years ago, and I believe in 150 years it'll still be in print. And there was a chapter in this book on what does it mean to be called adopted by God. And it was at that moment reading that chapter in that book, I've still got the hard copy of that book, I could probably still show you the exact page where the penny in my life dropped and I realised if this is true, I dare not treat God anymore like an optional extra. Either I am all in or I'm out. And we need, and, and J.I. Packer says in this book, this is the doctrine, this is the idea that if we understand this as Christians, that we have been adopted in as his children, it revolutionises every other area of our life because now I am a child of God. I'm so grateful that Seb chose that song before this sermon. I am no longer a slave to fear. Why? Because I am a child of God. And no one will take me out of his hand. Amen. And if that is true, if that is what God has done for me, then I dare not do anything other than show his love to someone else. And like I said, there are four things in this passage he calls them to do. Pursue justice and correct the oppressor. Defend the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. 
And, you know, there have been times in the church's history where we have not done these things, and we need to repent of that. There have been times when, as churches, we have not loved the vulnerable as we ought. But this week, as I was preparing for this sermon, I was talking to Jeff Eggins, who's over at Polara, and he was telling me about a class he took uh, in school. And he's a relief teacher part-time, and he was telling me about they did the Australian Studies uh, subject, and they came across this guy named John Saunders. Has pe- have people heard of this guy, John Saunders? I don't know why we don't hear about this guy. John Saunders was a Baptist minister in London who was called by the churches in Sydney, please come out and be a pastor for us. We can't pay for you to get here. We, we have no way to get you here, but please can you come? So John Saunders and his wife, they looked and they found the only way they could get to Australia because they didn't have any money to get there was to be, part, to be passengers on a ship that was transporting female convicts to the colonies in about 1835, I think, maybe a little bit earlier. And as he was on this ship and watching the way the women convicts were being treated by the guards, routinely mistreated, routinely raped, he got to the colonies and he said, this has to stop. And he became one of early Australia's foremost outspoken critics of the transportation policy. When he got here, he saw the state of the society and said, if I believe that God is a God of justice, if I believe that God is a God of mercy, then someone needs to be a voice to say, stop. And he looked at the effects of the rum trade and he was one of the most outspoken critics of that. But his highlight, I think, came was in two ways. He became one of the earliest campaigners for public education at a time when most of the world, you only got an education if you were wealthy. And he said everyone deserves an education. And he had this radical idea for 1836 Australia, young girls should be educated. And then what happened? The pinnacle, I think, of his ministry. In 1838, there was a massacre of Aboriginal people called the Mile Creek Massacre. And the men who had done the massacre, they didn't even deny that they had done it. Their defence was Aboriginal people are not real people anyway. They're not fully human, so it's fine. The most outspoken critic of that attitude in 1838 Sydney was John Saunders who preached such a powerful sermon this one Sunday on God's love for all people that the policy was changed that murder of an Aboriginal person would be considered murder of a person. It was the first time, the first time in the colonies, Aboriginal people were acknowledged as full people by a Christian minister who said, God cares about everyone. His daughter married a guy named Arthur Renwick, who introduced the first age pension in Australian history. Why is all that important? Because alongside his work for social justice, alongside his concern for people's well-being, alongside his concern for protecting the vulnerable, was a man who preached relentlessly the lordship of Jesus Christ. It flowed out of who he believed Jesus is. See, let's be really clear. Other religions might say, 
do good to do good, pursue justice, correct the oppressor. But they say it so that you get the favour of their deity. We believe you do it because we are already loved by God. It flows from grace. That's why the verse following verse 17, verse 18 says this. Come, let us settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are crimson red, they will be like wool. Our concern for others is not to earn God's favour. It's because we are already favoured by God Almighty. That's why Martin Luther famously said, God does not need your good works, but your neighbour does. God does not need your good works, but your neighbour does. Friends, we pray a lot in this church for revival to come. But please don't ever misunderstand that when we call out to God and say, Lord, bring revival, we're not just talking about a whole bunch of people becoming Christians, though that would be awesome. Because every historic revival that has happened has also seen a change in society. In the Welsh revival, they had judges sitting at the dock reading newspapers because there were no court cases to try. Their police had to go find other jobs because there were no crimes to solve. When revival comes, when the Spirit of God takes hold of a community, you don't just see people coming to faith, you see a whole society get changed and do we not live at a time when we need to see society change? We are heading in exactly the wrong direction as a society and the Spirit of God, the people of God need to cry out to the Spirit of God to say, Lord, would you do a work in us right now? Bring revival, we pray. Foster Care Sunday for us is a reminder that if we truly believe God is who he says he is, then we must love other people, not just with words, but in deeds. Today, in this last year alone, there were 32,005 notifications to Queensland Child Safety, a 13.3 increase on last year. The children of our state are in strife. The Church of God needs to stand up. uh, 11,323 children were in care on the 30th of June. 757 children in Queensland alone were put in hotel rooms with a youth worker because there weren't enough families to open their doors to those children. The children of our state need the church to stand up and show the love of God. And you might say, Mark, I can't be a foster carer. But you can do what's in front of you. We can all do what's in front of us. John Saunders didn't come to Australia to be a social campaigner, but he did what he saw was needed in front of him. And I just want to close with this, ver- this saying of John Wesley that I think just encapsulates it exactly. Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. The phrase that I think stands out for me is what you can. Do what's in front of you. For you, it might be today where you go, yes, we could be foster carers. 
we could do that. Perhaps for you're in a workplace where there's just a toxicity going on and you can be a voice for justice there. Perhaps as a family there's something you can do like a sponsored child or something like that where you can speak up for the rights of someone else. Whatever it is that God places in front of us, that's what he's asking us to do. Learn to do what is good. Pursue justice. Correct the oppressor. Defend the rights of the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. Amen.